0: Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's Evangelist Jonathan. Well, what an honor to be at this church. I love love what this week's going to be because this is what an evangelist does. I have... uh, there's people that think when they're pastoring that you have an evangelist and once you have 3,000, 3,500 people, but an evangelist, when I was growing up, my, my dad has been an evangelist for 45 years, and I would go to a lot of Assemblies of God churches when I started off. Hey, Brother Deb, did, did you see the California the yesterday's meetings in San Diego? It was the only meeting I didn't have you. The, the monitors were turned off, so I've never appreciated you more than now. One, you know, I preached all week. I could preach three times a day for the rest of my life. It doesn't bother your voice. And then you get one, you know, there's like sound men, I think, are like hatched from hell, some of them. Not all of them, but some. And I think some of them, they'll just disappear. They're not even like actually human beings. They're just sent to kill preachers. So they had these monitors. I guess they they thought they're just like boxes to decorate the stage. But if you turn them on, they do a world of good. So I was preaching in San Diego. yesterday. So they had him off. So if my voice sounds a little rough, it'll be, uh, it won't be like that all week. I won't sound like B. Arthur for, for much longer. Um, I would go to these churches that my dad preached at, and they would show me this crude addition to the building. Back then, Pentecostal people, if their church grew, they would just build onto it, and then they'd get the permits later. They'd have the Royal Rangers help build part of it, and uh, there'd be like a poster in the back that was a load-bearing poster. So they would tell me, when your dad came here, we were running 140 people, and then he had 240 people saved in two weeks or three weeks, we had to quickly build a growth fund. That's what an evangelist is supposed to do. They're supposed to help a church that way. And um, I don't like helping everybody. But I've never met two nicer people in my travels than Pastor Ray and Kim. They're very kind. Now, in Tennessee, almost everybody's kind. But even for Tennessee people, they're extra kind. So when they invited me, there'd be no way I wouldn't come because I I love them and I was telling them in the back, it's amazing to get a building uh, two years into your your pastoral work. Having your own building and land is essential as we found out during COVID. If you had a rented building, it didn't matter how much you were against uh, the COVID lockdowns, your landlord would shut you down. So the church needs to control its own property and for them to, I mean, there's people that have pastured for 20 years that don't have their own property. So this is a miracle, and this is something worth investing in. So I'm gonna tell you this right up front. The seven o'clock meetings are gonna be revival services, and then at 10 in the morning, I know a lot of times, which I didn't invent this. In fact, Pentecostals used to do 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and 7.30 p.m. used to be the standard schedule. And uh, I'm just doing two services a day instead of three because I, I would prefer not to murder my staff. But... Uh, Uh, the the two a day in the daytime where a lot of people, they would do day services and they were kind of like diet Pepsi or uh, they were like a light version of the service. I don't do that. The 10 a.m. services, in fact, there was one, anybody see the meetings in California last week? There was one Sunday morning where, or, or sorry, there was one morning service Thursday morning where the crowd was down eight people from the night before. I think we had, a little more, two, 210 the night before, and then there was like 191 in the morning. So the, the morning services have a different feel, but they're strong services, and some people enjoy more than the night services. Then, of course, you know in Tennessee, some people have shift work where they can't make uh, 7 o'clock, but they can make 10 a.m. or vice versa. And so those aren't light where you just get together and do a little haphazard word. So I have my faith set. I was going to say I have uh, my face set there. We'll pack the church out by the end of the week, but apparently I'm going to have to get a new goal because that's already done. Sister Kim said sorry that I had to walk on the chairs to my seat. I said for the first 15 years of my ministry there was plenty of room to get to my seat, so I actually enjoy having to do that. How many believe this meeting can shake not just Jackson but Tennessee in one week? I believe that, and I want to tell you that God's on the move in the United States of America. What what they told you is true. We started a church um, because I felt the Lord speak to me December 31st, 2020. I was getting ready to eat some cake. We were having a New Year's Eve party, and I felt the Lord speak to me very strongly. Build me a church in this, uh, build me a strong church in this city. And I won't go into all that tonight, how someone gave us a a building that's valued at $5.7 million, and then now they've just, we outgrew that. And uh, someone donated land, 24.8 acres in Pittsburgh, right on the highway. Turned down multi-million dollar offer from, from a hotel chain and gave it to us instead. And uh, we're going from there. Dallas preached today. We had 762 people just sitting right under 800, 17 months in. So for me, that's not a sign that I'm a super awesome pastor. That's a sign that Jesus is coming soon. And if we get in gear, there's a wind of the spirit that you can get in that will cause you to do more in the next three years than you would do in one lifetime. And I'm not saying that to, to, to say nice things. I'm telling you, the Bible says in Amos 9, 13, The day will come, says the Lord, where the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that sows seed. I, the Lord, will hasten it in my time, that you'll harvest faster than you can plant the seed. So the Bible, God didn't just let the devil run rampant in the last days. A lot of times when you talk about the last days, everybody thinks about the devil and the Antichrist. But you know, God also has a plan in the last days. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Acts 2.17, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. First people mentioned is sons and daughters. So why is there such an attack on children now? You know, I saw, I saw something that was funny. They said, why, why do the uh, drag queens never want to do story hour at an old folks' home? Yeah, it's, just, it's just children. Why are are the children targeted? Because the devil knows that God has a plan that the strongest preachers America has ever seen are going to get raised up out of the younger generation. Got a couple of them sitting on the front row, and probably a few more that I'm yet to meet that are here tonight are going to come to the meetings that God's going to put his hand on your life and use you to make the devil sorry he didn't kill you when he had the chance. Can you say amen? So the Bible talks about a supernatural quickening in the harvest in the last days, and that's what we're in right now. There's a flow of the Holy Ghost that if you get in it, uh, the church I was at in California is doing great. They're just a few years old. They broke their attendance record the Sunday morning before I got there. Sunday morning they had 132 people, which was their record. We had, like I told you, we had Thursday morning 190 people in the, in the AM service, that, that far up above their record, then 257 in the Friday morning service, and then 410 Friday night. Wow. Now, that's in a week. Now, an evangelist is supposed to do that. An evangelist is not a guest speaker. There's guest speaker. Anyone that travels, is not an, an evangelist is not a traveling preacher. An evangelist does two things. Number one, you have the Philip aspect where the Bible says Philip the evangelist went to Samaria and preached Christ to them. He went to a place where no one had ever preached Christ before since he, he resurrected and the Bible says crowds listened intently to what he had to say because of the miracles that he did. Then it tells you what type of miracles, not the grass grows and the spring flowers, and those are miracles. No, we're not talking about a United Church of Christ miracles. We're talking about Holy Ghost miracles. The Bible says crowds listened intently to what he had to say because of the miracles that he did. For many that were paralyzed, not one or two that were paralyzed, many who were paralyzed were healed. And many who were demon-possessed, the demons left, screaming as they left. So there was great joy in the city. When I was uh, 20 years old, I was in Bible college. My dad was turning 40, and he he decided to go on a 40-day fast to consecrate the second half of his life to the Lord. And while he was on that fast, he had a meeting in a town called Otisville, Michigan. It's right outside of Flint, Michigan, at Otisville Assembly of God. And uh, that church had about 140, 160. They had 460, might be off on the last number, 462, 464, 460 some people, 460 plus first time decisions for Christ in six weeks. The meeting was scheduled to go one week. It went six weeks because so many people were getting saved. For example, there was one lady from a family. She was the only Christian in her family. So when she came to church, she sat by herself. And she was believing for her husband to get saved. During those six weeks, she got, uh, her husband got saved. All their teenage children got saved. All the sisters and brothers on the husband's side, all, all the, the in-laws, uncles and aunts, got saved. All their children, so all the uncles and aunts and the cousins on that side. Then, all, then it happened on her side too. Then both sets of grandparents, paternal and maternal, got saved. So by the end of the revival, there were four she was the first one on day one. At the end, there were forty-eight people from her family sitting in that section. She she was believing for her husband to got, get saved. She and the Lord did exceedingly abundantly, more than she could ask or think. Can you say amen? So one thing an evangelist says they go where the gospel hasn't been preached, but then there's another aspect. You know, we do that. If you follow our ministry, we do crusades, put a stage up in North Philadelphia or Camden or someplace that needs help. But then there's a second aspect to an evangelist ministry that you don't just go to a church and start beating people over that we need to win souls. Christians need to win souls there's a second part to what an evangelist is gifted to do where the Bible says about all five ministry gifts. These gifts are given for the perfecting of the saints and the building up of the body of Christ. So an evangelist, when you bring them to a church and this needs to get flipped around, then I believe it will. I believe that's why there used to be a lot of evangelists and now there's very few. If you were a pastor In 1980, it was one of the annoyances. Your phone would ring three times a day with some guy that was traveling through that wanted to preach. And now that seems to have gone away, and it's going to come back and is coming back. But one of the reasons I believe the Lord cleared it out is because what was being called evangelism wasn't evangelism. You asking somebody to pay for your hotel and give you $5,000 minimum and and, and your food and receipts and dry-cleaning receipts, you're just a traveling beggar. You're a, you're a well-dressed beggar. You, you just found like a better way to beg. An, an evangelist should be able to go into a place and have it multiply. And so uh, in California, it took a little late for me to hit it. A lot of times it'll happen by Monday night or Tuesday night. It took till Wednesday night, I would say, in California. And it hit the breakthrough that night. And that's when the crowd was up double in the morning and then double at night the next night where you break something in the spirit. So I came here not to goof around or pick out six messages I've preached. I believe, and I'll get a feel for it as I'm here. I've only been here about an hour and 10 minutes. I saw they're having a little sound trouble. So I grabbed a nice uh, coffee and took a little 25-minute vacation in the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot, and then I came in. I caught my breath. But as I'm here and my feet are on the ground, you'll get a feel for what the enemy's using to bind people. And it's different in every place. But it doesn't matter what the bondage is. The blood of Jesus breaks every chain that Satan has used to bind people. Can you say amen? I want you if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans Romans chapter 15. Romans fifteen sixteen. Great to be in Tennessee. What a great state. Full of intelligent people. You guys were one of four states that when they tried the COVID lockdowns, you're like, we're all set. You sniffed it out in March. Amen. I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus. To, this is Paul talking. I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I brought you the gospel so that I may present you as an acceptable offering to God, made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me. Say that with me. Say Christ has done through me. So Jesus, and a lot of preaching that you hear in America is about what the work Christ does in you. And that's important. But then there's a work that Christ wants to do through you. The Bible says these signs will follow them that believe. In my not not apostles or the first 12 apostles, these signs will follow everyone who believes. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. That's not for special people. That's for anybody that believes that Christ rose from the dead. And it and never died again. And it comes out of that belief that I know my Savior's alive. I know he's seated at the right hand of God. And I know he gave me his authority and use of his name. So that now I act as his agent on the earth. Can you say amen? amen. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. And I'm not going to have you repeat stuff all night like a barking seal but I will have you repeat a few things I want you to remember. Say, my service to God. So I want you, uh, I, now, Christ does a work through you, and when God gets a hold of your life, which is what happens in a revival. He a revivals are about souls getting saved. Well, souls will get saved in a revival. That one in Otisville, Michigan, that that lady had her 48 people from her, 47, and then plus her, uh, they finished the meeting, with 820 people in attendance, it's a 450 seater. There were 160 when it started. Six weeks goes to 800. You got people. If you have a true revival, it won't matter how big the church is. You can't hold. You got to put people. You just kind of pray the fire marshal doesn't show up. You get parking complaints and all kinds of stuff because no building will ever be able to hold the amount of people that come because people are created deep. Calleth unto deep. People are created to experience, not just hear about God, like you'd hear about George Washington or Thomas Jefferson. People are created to have an encounter with God. You're going to have an encounter like that tonight, where you leave out those doors knowing my Redeemer lives. I know Jesus, and Jesus knows me. If you receive that tonight in Tennessee, go ahead and put your hands together. Give the Lord a mighty shout. Can you say amen? So you start getting a passion to serve God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God. How did he bring them to God? By my message. So one, you need a a proper word. The word has power, but then you can't just speak. You can't just be a speaker. Then retreat to the back room and have grapes and uh, a charcuterie board or whatever they prepared for you. There's another thing that Christ did. The Bible says he taught, then preached, then healed. You know, uh, Kenneth Hagin was one of the greatest preachers America produced. The people who follow Brother Hagin now, I would say the majority of them, if you listen to them talk about him, they've turned him in like he's just a teacher, like all he did was teach the word. I could pull some YouTube clips up where his services would make Rodney Howard Brown services seem Presbyterian. I mean, that guy was not, he taught, then there would come a manifestation behind the teaching that would, that would touch the, and change the people. Can you say amen? amen? I brought them to God by my message, and they were convinced, and by the way I worked among them. How did he work among them? They were convinced by the power of the miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit. The power of signs and wonders And the power of the Spirit. The power of signs and wonders. What did the Bible say in Mark 16? They went about and they went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked with them. One translation says with them. One translation says through them. The Lord worked with them or through them, confirming what they said with many, not a few, with many signs and wonders. The power of the signs and wonders and the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, when you see all this garbage that's going on, people dying left and right, and fentanyl taking more young people out than the Vietnam War took out the young people of that generation. You are not going to live in this hour successfully as a Christian in just you trying to be good and you using the Bible to help you kind of modify your behavior and not smoke as much and not drink as much and not cuss as much and not getting fights as much. You need to have the fire of the Holy Ghost burning on the inside of you that gives you a power over the devil in this last hour of time. Now, Whatever problems you're going through, there's no, power, there's no power of the devil or sin that when you get full of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that will give you power to tread upon the devil and to come through with the victory on the other side. God's going to do that for people tonight, many people. The things that you battled leading to tonight, you'll never battle those things again in the name of Jesus Christ. If you receive it, can you say amen? I'm going to play a video. Everybody say signs and wonders. Wonders. Let me read another one. Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 1. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, this is Paul talking about his ministry, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this... So you would not trust in human wisdom, but you would instead trust in the power of God. Turn to the book of Thessalonians, a little over to the right. Uh, There's two Thessalonians. Go to 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter one. Here it is again. So this is the Apostle Paul again, so now you got it three places. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse five. For when we brought you the gospel, it was not only with words, but also with what? For the Holy Ghost gave you full assurance that what we said was true. When we brought you the gospel, it was not in word only, but in demonstration of power. If you go back to when I did Romans 15, Paul said, we, we by our message and by the power of signs and wonders and the power of the Holy Ghost, in this way did we fully preach the gospel. When you drive by a church and it says full gospel, it's kind of an interesting thing to see on a sign because you don't drive by other churches and it says 10% gospel or 25% gospel, like it's, it's dairy products. You're picking between cream and half and half and whole milk or, or, or whatever. So what does that mean, full gospel? For a long time, because people weren't having signs and wonders or miracles, they just came up with doctrines to excuse what they didn't have. Well, that died with the last apostle, but you, that's, not, that's not a Bible verse. It's not in the Bible. And so then there were people, and it, it, it actually hit in America, it is at a, actually in Texas, and Kansas, and then it found a home in Los Angeles and and blew up there in 1906, where people realized that these things were not something God gave the early church that then died out. These things are for every generation. Take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts, the second chapter. Well, might as well read it in context. Acts one eight. Go back to, to chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, and you will receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. How many know God has all the power? No, God said, you will receive my power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Because if you don't understand that, then you're going to be a frustrated Christian. I don't understand why God allows that. I don't understand why God doesn't heal. Uh, the reason God doesn't heal is he told you to heal. He's in heaven and he gave his power to you and told you to lay your hands on the sick. And, you'll, and then when you do, he said, when you lay your hands on the sick, what will you see? They shall recover. Not they might recover, not they can recover. They shall recover. Can you say amen? Acts one eight. you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Interesting, since I'm bringing up the, the subject of power, if I passed the microphone around this congregation and had everybody tell what their prayer request was, though they'd all be different, I have a son on drugs, I have a daughter that's living a lifestyle that's completely different from how I raised her, and she has no interest in coming to church, I, uh, whatever. Though they'd all be different, they all could be grouped under one heading. I'm powerless in this area. Or there's another power that's messing with my family or my son. I battle depression. What's that simply? I'm having trouble. I feel powerless in my emotional realm or my mental realm. Well, God has a remedy for that. You shall receive. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So now if that's the true, if the devil attacks and then God's plan to remedy it is the power of the Holy Spirit, then that makes sense why the devil Basically, all hell breaks loose if somebody starts trying to tell people that the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire is for today. Because once the devil figures out that he's lost you, you're not going to drink, you're not going to go to bars anymore, you're not going to run around on your wife, you made up your mind you're going to settle down in church, now he devotes his attention, okay, okay. You're not going to serve me. I'm going to focus my attention to make sure that you never get a hold of God's power. Because though I won't have you go to hell, I at least you won't be a problem to me. You'll be somebody that sits in church and listens to a message and takes notes and goes home and goes about your normal life. But when you receive power, not only does that power set you free, now you start running around and setting other people free and you become a major problem to the devil. I'm looking at people tonight that are going to give the devil the worst year that he's ever had, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God. If you receive that one more time in Tennessee, clap your hands, all ye people, give the Lord a mighty shout. Somebody shout a good Tennessee hallelujah. Man, it's nice to be preaching in the South where the ushers look like they know how to get rid of a body if need be. Amen. Usher slash contract killer if needed. Go preach up north, you think. Who's protecting who? And down here, you got proper ushers. Amen. You shall receive power. Lift both hands to the Lord, close both eyes, and say, Thank you, Father, for the power of the Holy Spirit, that where I was weak, now I'll be strong. Amen. When you give, give God yourself, the Bible says that his power would be perfected in your weakness. How I many know we all have weaknesses? No, not if you're filled with the Spirit, because then God overrides your weakness with his power. If you've heard me preach before, then you know I had a speech impediment when the Lord called me to preach. I had to miss recess twice a week to get speech therapy, and now I speak for a living. It's easy to believe in miracles when you is a miracle. Can you say amen? Now that... My speech therapist quit, so it wasn't her. You know, no one ever just quits. They have like creative ways. She said, it looks like your son's not responding to the therapy. It'd probably be better if he just played. There's lots of jobs you can do where you don't speak. And when she quit, God took over, and that thing cleared out in about another year without any effort. Just left. Because where you're weak, God makes you strong. I don't understand how there's a lot of messages in church now that almost get people to focus on weakness. How I many know we're all weakness? How I mean, know we all battle things? I've heard people say every Christian should be in therapy. No. I don't, I don't... You know, you can say that, but I don't read Jesus saying that. I don't see Jesus having Matthew laying on the couch telling him about his upbringing and how lousy his mother was. No. They brought unto him all the sick. In fact, not only, not only do you not see that in the Bible, you won't see anywhere in the Bible where Jesus had to refer someone to someone else and say, now I can't help you. In fact... Jesus had a doctor who traveled with him named Luke. Luke wasn't one of the 12, but tradition tells us he was one of the 72 disciples. Jesus never. Jesus didn't pray for people that had sinus infections. And then when a leper came, he went, ooh, this is Luke. He's going to give you some prescription lotion to rub on your nose and your fingertips and your earlobe, and you can come back the 1st and 15th of every month and get a new refill. All he had Luke do was write down The things that were done. And if you notice, as a physician in Luke's gospel, he takes note. He's impressed at the healing power of Jesus. And many came to hear and be healed of all their diseases. I have a question for you that's very easy. I'm not insulting your intelligence, but I would like to hear the answer. Has Jesus changed? Will he ever change? How do you know? Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ yesterday today, and forever. Man can change. Religion can change. But Jesus never changes. If you want to know one thing about this meeting, you're not going to get introduced to a denomination. You're going to get introduced to the person of Jesus Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit because they work in tandem. Can you say amen? I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a hard time leaving this meeting tonight, carrying the same problem you came in here with. That problem is going to die in this sanctuary, and you're going to come out of here shouting the victory in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive that, take 15 good seconds. Take your anointed Tennessee hands, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Amen. Everybody say, I will receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So then they get baptized in the Holy Ghost. They speak in other tongues. Peter that couldn't confess Christ to three girls at a campfire is now preaching to over 3,000 men, which would be the equivalent of preaching to 3,000 men in Islamabad because they had permission to arrest and kill them. So it's not like he's, he's just preaching in Dallas or Canada even. He's preaching in the Middle East. I have a pastor that's in our ministerial mentorship program. He said, I know you talk about planning churches and how churches should grow. He said, but we have to do things differently because we're in the Middle East. I said, this thing started in the Middle East. I said, everybody you read about in the book of Acts, they weren't doing this in Kansas. They were doing it in the Middle East. And they, were, they, 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 they could be killed at any time. They didn't come up with a different version to duck persecution. And the harder they pressed, before long they flipped the whole Roman Empire upside down. Just like America's going to have one more shaking by the power of God the devil the devil's not going to write the last chapter of american history the church of the lord jesus christ is going to write the last chapter and it's going to be a glorious chapter i told her con- you know the conservatives almost like love bad news you hear what they're doing why don't you why don't you pay attention to the good things that are happening because you'll see we're not losing the battle we're winning practically winning the battle Roe versus Wade overturned last year, 50-year battle. That, that, that's the hand of God. That was done with a Democrat president, Democrat House, Democrat Senate. The Republicans said, if you give us a Republican president, Republican House, Republican Senate, we'll overturn it. They lied. They used the church, just like Democrats use inner city people. But God doesn't need any help from the Republicans or the Democrats. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and repent, then I will hear from heaven and I will revive their land. Can you say amen? amen. 17 states now have over have passed a law, no pediatric gender transition surgeries in the state. There's only 50 states. I think we're at 22 states that have already banned central bank digital currencies. So even if they pass it at the federal level, they don't have enough states to sign on to it. The devil has a plan, but it's one thing to make a plan. It's another thing to execute the plan. And if you read the Bible, that's where Satan runs into trouble. He's always running his mouth. Haman's going to hang all the Jews on the gallows. Got the gallows built. Had the legal permission. But Haman hung on his own gallows. Because the devil is a loser. He's been a loser since the beginning. He's a loser today. He'll be a loser tomorrow. But Jesus Christ is King of Kings. Lord of Lords. He is the conqueror. He made us more than conquerors. Somebody shout hallelujah. Texas has legislation on the desk right now. Could go through this week. That starting in the 2023, that's this fall, 2023-2024 school year, they're not only going to return prayer to school, they're going to have a chaplain in every Texas public school. That's a fact. Let me tell you something. I, I, if you want to irritate me, serve me decaf coffee. And also, if you want to irritate me, start talking. The, the church is weak, you know, and people don't pray like they should. Me and you go to different churches then. At our church, we have all-night prayer. I'm, I'm not in that kind of church. We're Sunday night. It's not Easter. Your nephew's not getting christened. There's not a baptism going on. I'm looking at people of all ages, all different ethnicities, that have made up their mind, I'm not bowing to Baal. I'm going to stand for Jesus in this last period of time. I'm going to tell you, when you make up your mind to do that, God doesn't have you stand by yourself. He gives you a running buddy called the Holy Ghost. He fills you. He gives you power to look the devil in the eye and say, you're going down, brother. My, You're not over my head. You're under my feet. Hallelujah. Now, they, they're mocking Peter. Peter preaches. Where did Peter have time to prepare a sermon? He just stepped out and preached, and he's rattling off scriptures out of his spirit. He didn't take time to memorize them. Now, I'm not, I'm not against preparation. Obviously, you'd have to have preparation to rattle off those scriptures From your spirit. I think, I always thought I was like half nuts. Some people probably would would still agree I am. But then I read that Charles Finney, because the way I I preach was different, and then Charles Finney said, I rarely prepare a message until the chapel bell sounded. And then he said, I don't like to stand up on the platform or stand in the front row. I like to walk around the congregation and get a feel for what's in the room. That's kind of what i do. Because I, 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 I have messages prepared, and then I get in the room, I can pick up what needs done. Well, Rodney Howard Brown does the same thing. He, uh, he was preaching down just outside of Tijuana, Mexico, and instead of standing in the front, because that's how they teach you to preach go up, look over the tops of the people's heads. You can do that. That's why a lot of churches didn't mind shutting down for COVID and going online, because basically they do an online service live. Hello, so nice to be here today, and we're so thankful that you're here. You're sitting in the seat thinking, hey, buddy, I'm down here. I'm right here. You can look at me. And so we're going we're gonna to say, you know, just rattle off their speech. There's no spiritual connection. So he's down outside of Tijuana, and he's walking around the convention center with about 1,000 people, and he sees this guy dressed in white, and he's got 30 followers with him. Turns out it's a cult down in Mexico. And he looked the guy up. The guy's got warrants out for him in Indiana and went down to Mexico and became a cult leader. So his plan was, then they all fanned out over all around the auditorium, and at a certain point they were going to stand up and hijack the meeting and take it over. And Pastor Rodney sniffed it all out ahead of time, preached a certain way, it never got off the ground. And, and he solved it because you're not disconnected from the people. I like meetings like this. I like it's great preaching in super huge auditoriums or doing big crusades, but you know, you can't spend 35 minutes praying for somebody in a meeting like that. When you're in meetings like this, you can actually take extended time with people. It's nice taking your whole family out after a wedding, all the cousins, all the grandparents, but sometimes it's nice just taking your wife and daughter out. Can you say amen? Yes. And so you can do things in these kind of meetings that that that, that are, are better. Actually better than 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 like a convention type of meeting and they all have their place where you can spend time. I'll give you an example. I uh I was preaching in Vermont. The church was about a 45-seater, and there were 21 on Sunday morning. So I announced on Sunday morning, tonight we're going to have a miracle service. I am going to be there all week. And so I thought that'll be a good way to get people to come back. And then as I was driving to church Sunday night, I, I remembered a problem that I don't know how to have any miracles. And I had announced we are going to have this miracle service. I'd never had anybody healed of the sniffles or anything. So I called my Uncle Ted up. My dad's oldest brother, and I said, would you agree with me in prayer that I said, I announced we're going to have a miracle service. Will you come into agreement in prayer that God will move that way tonight? And so he said, sure. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would release miracles tonight through the preaching of your word and the touch hungry hearts that are there. Jesus' name, amen. And I thought, I would like a little more of a prayer than that. I was looking for like emergency tongues, 400 words a minute. Until I felt the glory of God come in the car. So he just prayed that short prayer, which I was kind of disappointed. But then he didn't hang up or, or talk. And I, it was quiet on the other end. And he went, praise the Lord. When you get there, there's going to be a woman with silver hair with a red scarf on. And she has shoulder pain. Call her out and pray for her shoulder. And when you do, God will heal her. And that will give, uh, give the rest of the congregation faith to latch onto their own miracle. And I felt like I said, now we're talking. That's, that's what I needed. That's even better. So I get there, and the crowd, that it worked. Announcing the miracle service helped. And it is sad how few places people can go to church and get prayer. And people need prayer. You can preach on prayer and lay hands on everybody in the building, and if you're the preacher and you wait after, they'll get back in line for more prayer. Amen. One preacher told me, he said, you need to remember, he's in his 70s. He said, people didn't grow up in homes like you and me did where they had a mom that loved God and all that. He said, for many people, you'll be the only positive voice they hear in the entire week when you preach. They don't have anybody to pray for them. So he said, always make sure you pray for people. So when I got there and was preaching, there was only one lady with silver hair with a red scarf on. And I said, I didn't make it mystical. I said, no, Lord, show me. I said, I told him what I just told you. I said, now I called my uncle, who's in the ministry before I got here, and I said what he told me. And I said, you're the only lady that fits that description. She was already up on her feet. She said, I I have shoulder problems. I can't lift my arm. I said, well, if the first part's true, second part should be true. I said, lift your hands. I laid my hands on her head. I said, I command your shoulder to come loose in Jesus' name. And she let out a holler and lifted her arm up and started praising God. Well, when she did, there was a lady that had like an upright piano, like they have in saloons and Pentecostal churches. She, she, she got up off that wooden upright piano. It was on this side of the building. And she ran over to me and grabbed my arm and said, my son is seven years old. He's deaf in his ears. Will you pray for him? I thought, yo, how about we just appreciate like the one. I've never had any miracles. But that's what my uncle said. It'll give people, John two twenty three, and many believed on him seeing the miracles that he did. When people see, look, look what Paul said. It does something for your faith, that your faith would not rest in our words or the excellency of men's speeches, but that your faith would rest in the power of God. Now, obviously, faith only comes by hearing and hearing of the word, but seeing miracles does something to solidify and fortify the faith that you've received. So that did it for her. Will you pray for my son? Well, I prayed like, I saw Jesus doing the Bible. I put my fingers in both of his ears and commanded his ears to come open, and he got a real bright look on his face and said, Mommy, I can hear. And when he said that, a guy from the back of the auditorium ran crying and slid on his knees like they teach you not to in Little League. You're supposed to go feet first or head first. He slid on his knees to the altar and just started yelling out, Save me, O oh God. Now, when this was happening, I was watching this almost like a bystander. Because I thought, this is like what I used to read in old, like, Pentecost history books or Charles Finney's I Meaning A man ran to the altar screaming, Lord, save me. I couldn't even get people to come and say, Lord, save me. If I was saying, please repeat after me, Lord, save me. So then I saw that happen. Well, that turns out that was that wife's hus- uh, husband who she couldn't get to come to church. And he came that night because of the miracle service and was sitting in the back telling her on the way, I can't believe you'd fall for this. This is stuff from the 1800s. Those guys just come and get your money. Maybe at least he saw my car back then and knew I was not getting any money. And he, when, he, when his own boy's ears popped open, he came and asked the Lord to save him. And that thing broke loose. Word got out in the Mennonite community. You know Mennonites around here? They're like half-committed Amish people. They're like Amish people say we want a little electricity. And so they, they started coming. And they started getting healed. And before you knew it, that 45-seat church, not that it was going to impress Reinhard Bonnke or anybody, but that 45-seat church had about 78 people in it. They were standing along the back and out the side in that little town called Bethel, Vermont. That's called Revival, where you come and start. look at When you look at Acts 19, the Bible says he, Paul started with 12 people, and then he preached, sowed the word, worked work the spirit of God until by the end of the chapter. They're not at 12 people. The Bible says the whole city was shaken and people began to get their witchcraft books and burn them at a public bonfire. Sometimes I like, you know, I would have done this whether they had a church, a 1700 or just starting a new church, but I like doing meetings like this. Like I like going to the Sturgis motorcycle rally and preaching there because I want to make sure I don't turn into a conference speaker who's gone soft, that has a 38-minute counter at the back, does your same joke, knows how to work a crowd up. There is something you should be able to do as a minister where you come into a town, and by the time you leave, there's great joy in the city. So, and the people are saying, surely the Lord has done great things. I'm telling you, if you can't, I hope you can tell sincerity, most southerners are very good at spotting phonies. And then once they spot you as a phony, you disappear. And their cousin's the sheriff, so there's no investigation. I hope you can look in my eyes and know I'm not blowing smoke. I pray that whatever has been the most troubling thing, in your life and family, that God's going to do a miracle in your family and in your life. And By Friday night when we go to leave, you're going to have a smile on your face that the devil won't be able to wipe off for the rest of your life because God's going to turn it around. If God can turn a nation around, then he certainly can turn a household around. For what is a nation but a collection of households? The power of God is going to set you free, pick you up out of the pit, and put your feet on the rock to stay in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive that one more time tonight, take 30 good seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God. Come on. Go ahead and lift him up. Make a joyful noise, all the earth. The devil is defeated. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. The things you've turned your faith out for, God's going to meet you there in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen like thunder. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? You know, we had a, a young man, his name's Tristan. He goes to our church, he's seven years old. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. He's been coming to all night prayer. They, we, we, we did half night prayer, finished at 2 p.m. or 2 a.m. And then his mother took him to the grocery store at 10 a.m., barely had any sleep. And he said, Mom, can I go pray for that lady in the aisle? Didn't know her, just an older lady by herself. With the, uh, shopping cart. She said, sure. He went right over to her. And she said she watched from a distance while he talked to her. And then she put her, her, hit her hands in his hands and he prayed. And then she wiped the tears from her eyes and looked where the mom was and said, you'll never know what that just meant to me. Now you can't teach a seven-year-old to do that. But when the, <laughs> when the fire of God, if I light you on fire, no one's going to stand there burning and go, I don't really scream. I'm Methodist. No one's going to have to teach you to scream. No one's going to have to teach you to run. The fire will do that all by itself. When you get full of the fire of the Holy Ghost, nobody has to tell you. Now, how many know we should witness and tell our friends and neighbors about Jesus Christ? No, they'll actually end up having to have city council meetings about you shutting up. Why can't you shut up? This is not the place for that. Why do you have to tell everybody about your God? When you get on fire, you'll start doing things without even realizing you've done it. That's the second thing that's going to come out of these meetings. Number one, God's going to lift the oppression out of every home in Jesus' name. Number two, you're going get lit on fire and the devil will rue the day for the rest of his life. That he didn't kill you when he had the chance because you're going to become a nightmare to the powers of hell, not by your strength but by the strength of God that works mightily on the inside of you. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles brothers what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then he groups it right in, right in the beginning. He didn't wait till summer camp or youth retreat. Then, when you repent and receive Christ, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is a limited time offer. That will expire in the next 40 years. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those that are far away in Tennessee, even all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners save yourselves from this crooked and perverse generation. Those who believed what Peter said, we're baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. The Holy, you know, they teach, they teach at church growth stuff in America that if you let the demonstration of the Holy Ghost loose on Sunday, it'll empty your church. People don't like that. Well, I, I had a theory out of the Bible. I never believed that. And I, I was never going to pastor, but when the Lord called me to, I thought, I'm going to do the opposite of everything they tell you to do at church growth stuff in America. Starting with making Sunday morning. A place, you don't have to go to camp. You don't have to go to retreat. You don't have to go to some special room in, in, in the rectory. That Sunday morning is a place where the Holy Spirit moves among God's people. And so, how did the church go from 2, we launched with 268, dropped down to 242 the next Sunday. That was the lowest it ever was. Had 762, broke a 1,000 several times. Who's in, the, who's in the meeting? Well, I look at one family, their daughter. Identified as a boy. And she they made her come to the meeting. She hated being there. Then she got delivered. And then she got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Telling so then the dad came. It, it was, it's a broken family. The her dad, uh uh that doesn't live with them came, the stepdad comes. Now all extended families coming because they saw the change, the the tangible change that God brings. Can you say amen? That's what grows the church, not just little lessons. you got to let the Lord come behind that lesson. The author of that book wants to show himself tonight. I'm not dead. I'm alive. And if you call on me, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not. And 3,000 were added to the church that day. So that's why I'm not cocky. Thank God for 762 people. But I guarantee you, Peter's not up in heaven impressed. So not more than that on day one, champ. And it happened by the Holy Ghost. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in the Lord's Supper and meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. I mean, you know, in the early church, they didn't have buildings and pastors. They met at home. Are you illiterate? It says right here, all the believers met together in one place. Yes, they did meet in homes. But this, this attack against church buildings, that's what they use for the shutdown. I mean, you no, know, we don't need to be together. Whether there's a building. Buildings are man's invention. It takes too much. No, you, you actually need a building. Do we need to re-explain things that have been established since the Middle Ages? What does a church need a building for? Um, rain. Mosquitoes, would you like to have a list of why we've developed structures? Amen. It's nice to not have to pray the clouds away every time you go to preach. Amen. I did two, two weeks of crusades in a row in two different cities that were all outdoor, and I was checking the weather report every day. Then you'd see. I mean, it was like demonic. It's, uh, it's going to be clear for the day. Then at 5, they changed it. The cl- cloud's going to roll in rainstorm at 7, right when the meeting's going to start. So me and Kofi would be praying it away for two weeks. I got in the habit. Then one night I'm getting ready to preach in week three Sunday night like this. I look at the weather forecast, hundred percent chance of rain and thunderstorms. I'm praying, and as I'm praying in tongues, I feel in my spirit the Lord speak to me. Hey genius, you're preaching inside a church tonight, and I not have to. Do it. Yeah, it's nice to have a building. It's nice to have a place that's devoted. And then him owning his own building. Do you know how many churches? When they rent a building from the Seventh-day Adventist or whoever, they don't like miracles. And and they don't like your church growing bigger. They've been there for 140 years and have 31 people, 17 of them against their will. Then you pop up and, and, and start packing it out, they'll get mad and change the lease. Aren't you thankful for people that have faith to get property and parking? And a building that's dedicated to God. Let me tell you something. This building is going to get consecrated in the Holy Ghost. It's going to be a wrecking ball to the devil in Jackson, Tennessee. Starting tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Come up here, Sister Kim. Lift both hands. Close both eyes. Not only are you going to get a touch tonight, your preaching ministry is going to get endued with a new level of power tonight. The same thing God did to Adonis in 2015 is going to do to you right now. When you open your mouth, devils are going to come off of people just by your preaching. You're going to be used in this last day move of God in Jesus' name. Build in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Go ahead. Give the Lord another great hand clap. This is your time. Come on. Clap under the Lord. This is your time. This is your hour. This is the church's time. I said this is the church's time. Would you mind if I prayed for her? Come right up if you don't mind me praying. I won't do anything weird. We're not passing out snakes till Thursday night. Lift both hands, close both eyes. The hand of the Lord's upon you tonight. You know, God's going to anoint many people where you're going to take the reins of your house. The devil's not going to have the reins of your household and jerk it around where he wants it to go and what direction he wants. You and Jesus are going to take the reins. It's going to go in a different direction. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say signs and wonders. I'm going to show you one of the greatest signs and wonders we've We've had in the 21 years of preaching, it happened at our church, and we. Uh, it happened on the internet. I mean, the lady wasn't even watching the preaching live. Just the word going into her spirit, and it's interesting how supernatural the Bible is, because her central nervous system was blown out, and she couldn't even watch TV any volume. Destroyed her like she'd just have to yell. It pierced her, but then listening to preaching, and I don't preach quietly. It it soothed her, and I'll let her her tell. Uh, what happened. Now, when you watch this, if you're sick or afflicted, you're going to have a rough time being in worse shape than this woman was in unless you're dead because she basically was a breathing corpse and couldn't even breathe. She was on a ventilator. She was born with muscular dystrophy. All her muscles in her body had deteriorated, including her diaphragm, which she used to expel carbon dioxide. So she was getting poisoned from not kicking out enough carbon dioxide. She had already made out her will and then bumped into me on Daystar television, and then looked me up on YouTube and started watching, and watched what happened in 40 days. Well made out, head, head supportive wheelchair. Not just in a wheelchair. No movement. All muscles, non-functional. Go ahead and play it. My name is Tanya Smith, and I'm from Sarasota, Florida. And
1: I'm excited to share my testimony with you tonight because I know this was ordained by the Lord. Um, I, uh, I was born with muscular dystrophy, a rare form. There's 43 different forms. Um, and mitochondrial disease, which is a genetic defect in every cell of your body. And it, it progressively gets worse with age. And about 10 years ago, I became dependent on a wheelchair um, because using any energy, I would get so physically sick. And then fast forward four years ago, I was so sick that I was totally bedbound. bound um, I couldn't stand up. When I did, my blood would pool in my feet, autonomic dysfunction. And um, I was in a wheelchair that would hold me up laterally and also with a
0: headpiece. Are you totally able to bed. pause it real quick? I won't, I won't work you a lot. But just watch your husband. See how he's looking down at her legs crying? And I was wondering what his problem was. And they told me this is the first time I've seen my wife walk upstairs in, in uh, four and a half years. Just standing there crying. B- Baptist couple. Went to a Baptist Bible college when, when they were younger. God doesn't care what your background is. Cares that you have faith. Go ahead.
1: So on IV fluids every day, also life-sustaining medication for organ function. So I really thought that this was the end. And pain, lots of pain, 24 hours a day with no end in sight. Um, so four years, I'm praying, you know, Uh, don't know how to get out of this that I'm in. I mean, I love the Lord. I'm a Bible college graduate. I started to pray because I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't sit up for more than a couple minutes or stand for more than a couple minutes. And I said, Lord, show me the way to my healing, because I can't believe that you would just pick and choose some people to be healed and not others. It doesn't make any sense to me, right? So... Um, I said, Lord, show me the way, and show me in such a way that I can share my testimonies that others might be able to get to that same place of wholeness and healing. And um, (laughs) I turned on Daystar on my husband's day off, and we're watching, and Jonathan came on. And when he came on, it ignited my spirit and my faith in such a way that I knew that I was hearing the message in a different way, in a new way, that I hadn't heard before. It wasn't as the world preaches, but as God... (laughs) Thank you. But as God's word teaches, right? And Jonathan showed me that, you know, it's not, um, oh, well, if it's God's will. It is God's will for me to be well. I have been healed. So... So I started praying a little differently and I started telling myself I have been healed. I am healed. I am whole. And I kept putting God's word in. And I started listening to Jonathan's teaching every day and every night because I could not get enough because I knew that there was truth in the way that he was preaching. And so I said, you know, my body, all of a sudden, my body started to line up. I started getting stronger. And I noticed that um, one day I was standing up in the kitchen for more than like three minutes and I was like, this is new. Like, I don't have to go sit down. This is great. And, um, so I came across Jonathan on day start in August, beginning of August. So the beginning of September, I started to get some strength and it was up after my bed, sick bed. So, um, so August, so September, um, sick September 19th it was. I went to my muscular dystrophy clinic appointment because I've been a muscular dystrophy patient for years and years, and I've gone to the same clinic for 16 years and progressively gotten weaker and weaker and sicker and sicker. And you know, there is no cure by man. Um, So it was really a death sentence. I had made out my will. Um, I was that horribly sick. And um, when I went in, I knew that I had gained some strength but I didn't expect what was coming because the occupational therapist came in. You see a team of people. She checked my shoulders and my hips, which are always weak, and she said, they're five plus. And I said, I don't know what that means. I never heard five plus. That's perfect muscle strength. Thank you. I left out that I was also on a ventilator.
0: This isn't that important, but it just makes me laugh because you know she's not from a, a full gospel background. Every time people clap for the... Thank you. Like, like it's the Academy Awards. Thank you. Continue.
1: Later. <laughs> because my diaphragm was so weak that I couldn't take in enough oxygen and I was being poisoned by CO2. So not only IV fluids in a wheelchair, but on a ventilator. Um, so the respiratory team comes in and they do their tests and they said, your respiratory function is above anything that we can imagine. We're. <laughs> they said, they said, we are going to recommend that your doctor take you off your ventilator. Is that okay with you? I said, yes, absolutely. So they, um, they send the doctor in. She does all of her tests with my legs and all my other function and says, everything is five plus. We sat there with so much joy on our face. I said, Jesus. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Can
0: okay, you say amen. amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. Who's ready to receive from the Lord tonight? Lift both hands all over this place. Father, right from this opening night, I thank you. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your power. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I thank you that no one leaves here tonight disappointed or not having received exactly what they came for, expecting to receive from the Lord. I thank you for all the mighty things you've done. You are a great God. What a privilege to serve you and to tell people about your awesome name and your awesome power. There's nobody like you in heaven. There's none beside you on the earth. Great are you, Lord, greatly to be praised. In Jesus' name, we give you glory. With your hands lifted just in your own voice, just begin to tell the Lord how much you love Him. Tell Jesus how much you love Him. Thank Him for the Holy Spirit. Thank thank Him for His power, His excellent might that works greatly on the inside of you. That works greatly on the inside of you. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to revivaltoday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.